You know how when you're watching a magician perform a trick, he very often will make an elaborate show of something with one hand in order to distract you so he can pull the trick with the other hand while you're not watching. You know that? Politicians use the same technique. So right now, we're all supposed to be talking about the $1.7 trillion omnibus spending bill. And if that weren't enough, the White House visit from the Ukrainian president, Vladimir Zelensky, is really, really big news. Lots of strong emotions. We'll get to those issues in just a moment. But when big, showy political events like that happen, it is always good to look into which other news stories they are pushing out of the headlines. And today, what do you know? ICE has just made a major announcement that everybody seems to have been too distracted to notice. Namely, that the Biden administration will be releasing single adult illegal aliens into the state of Tennessee. The illegal aliens will not be going to Martha's Vineyard. They won't be going to Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. They won't be going to any blue state where Democrats don't need their votes. They'll be going to Tennessee, just like so many other illegal aliens being shipped by the Biden administration into Republican areas. The move is part of the meta-political strategy that Democrats have been pursuing for decades. If the Americans in any particular place don't like the Democrats' policies, the Democrats just need to import new people who will. There are plenty of sanctuary cities and sanctuary states in this country, plenty of blue places that say that they want more of these illegal immigrants. Democrats could very easily send them there. But they know that there'll be a bigger political benefit to the Dems in the red states. If Republicans were serious about fighting back, the state of Tennessee would organize to arrest these illegal aliens on the spot when they land. The federal government won't do it, but the state still has police forces. The state has the National Guard. If a Democrat-ordered invasion does not call for the cops to come arrest people, what does? But Republicans aren't supposed to do things like that. We're not supposed to even say things like that. In fact, we're not even supposed to notice. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Saddle Tramp, who says, thanks for going over the pagan Christmas false reality. Lol, it might sound silly, but I was one of those people that believed what she mentioned. I think this is referring to a video I have, by the way. It's the woke Christmas TikTok reaction, which is on my YouTube channel right now. So go, go check that out. Uh, it says, uh, well, I was one of those people that believed what the woman in the video mentioned to be true, so fell away from some of the Christmas traditions, not wanting to partake in any weird pagan rituals, just like I did with Halloween. I think I'll be putting up a tree next year with a big star on top. I'm so glad to hear that. The alleged pagan origin of Christmas is one of those things that everybody seems to know that just isn't true, <laughs> okay? As I explained in the video, so go check it out, the woke Christmas TikToks. When you want to read your Bible, you got to go check at Bible in Ear with Father Mike Schmitz. Right now, head on over to ascensionpress.com slash Knowles. If you are someone who has always wanted to read and understand the Bible, but you're not sure where to start, you've got to check out the Bible in a Year podcast from Ascension. 
The Bible in a Year podcast is currently the most popular religion podcast in the United States. Millions of people have listened to it. Twice, it's hit the number one spot on Apple Podcasts. In the Bible in a Year podcast, Father Mike Schmitz reads the entire Bible in 365 daily episodes, providing helpful commentary, reflection, and prayer along the way. You might remember, those of you who have been listening to this show for a long time, Father Mike Schmitz was one of our earliest guests on this show, and the Bible in a Year podcast is pretty much the only podcast that I will reliably listen to. I think it is just fantastic. If you want to start reading, and more importantly, understanding the Bible this year, go to ascensionpress.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, to download the reading plan for free. That's ascensionpress.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, to download the reading plan for free. Who is an American these days? I don't know. The Democrats tell us that the foreign nationals invading our country, they're all future Americans. They're undocumented Americans. But you, Americans, you're not Americans. This is according to Stanford University, Stanford University has something called the Elimination of Harmful Language Initiative, (laughs) because of course, it is a quote, multi-phase, multi-year project to address harmful language in IT at Stanford. Finally, the guide's purpose is to eliminate many forms of harmful language, and this includes racist, violent, and biased language. And by biased language, they say that means disability bias, ethnic bias, ethnic slurs, gender bias, implicit bias, sexual bias on Stanford's websites. Wow, that's a lot of biases. That's a lot of language. That's a lot of jobs for gender and ethnic studies majors who are otherwise unemployable. Okay, well, what are some of the words they want to get rid of? They want to get rid of the word American. I'm not joking. They say that Americans should not say that they're American. Instead, Americans should say that they are U.S. citizens because American often refers only to people from the United States, thereby insinuating, Stanford writes, that the U.S. is the most important country in the Americas. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the gall of some Americans, excuse me, U.S. citizens to believe that the United States might be more important than Bolivia? Can you imagine how outrageous is that? To believe that the United States might be just a little tiny, teeny bit more important than Chile. Shocking. Outrageous. So you can't do it. You can't say that you're American because you're just a member, a citizen of one country. And we've got North America, Central America, South America. Now, of course, they don't apply this standard to anybody else. Think about the term anti-Semitic. Anti-Semitic refers to what? Refers to Jew hatred. But Semitic doesn't only refer to Jews. I mean, now it is taken only to refer to Jews. But Semitic refers to a whole family of languages, including Hebrew, Aramaic, Arab, Phoenician, Akkadian, other other languages, other peoples. But we don't refer to Arabs as Semitic. If you're anti-Semitic, it doesn't mean you hate Arabs, right? So there you have a broad term referring to a particular group of people. How about Chinese? When we, when we refer to the Chinese, we do not refer to the Taiwanese. But Taiwan, the, the name of Taiwan, we call it Taiwan, but it's really called the Republic of China. But we don't refer, we call the Taiwanese Taiwanese. Why do the Chinese, that's just one particular, albeit a very large and prominent subset of the Chinese people, why does, 
Why does China get to refer to China? China meaning the, the communist country, not the Republic of China. What about those poor Taiwanese? We don't talk about them. What about African-Americans? We don't refer to Elon Musk as African-American. He is African-American. I mean, I refer to him that way because I think it's funny, but most people do not. When we refer to Africans, we're only referring to black people from Africa. We don't refer to Boers, Afrikaners, people in Zimbabwe, formerly Rhodesia or South Africa. We don't refer to the white people. We only refer to the black people. So we use this term. There are white Africans, there are lots of white Africans who have been there for many generations at this point. So all over the world, for all sorts of people, we use broad terms to refer to a particular group, but you can't do it for Americans. That's the issue. And, and it's true of all the language policing, it's true of all of political correctness, and it's true of the whole leftist game. It's not about broad principles at all. It's not about fairness. It's not about eliminating deceptive or harmful language. It's just about denigrating and degrading Americans. First, Western civilization and specifically Americans, or men, or straight people, or Christians, or it's all, whoever falls afoul of the liberal intersectional hierarchy, so especially the worst of the worst would be a white, straight, male, American, right? All, the, all of that intersects there. Those people are not allowed to be anything. They're not allowed to have any sort of identity they're, they're all, their only identity should be shame and silence. <laughs> but everybody else, doesn't matter. The rules do not apply. I think I'm going to keep calling myself an American. I don't know about you. I think I will do that. Speaking of American sovereignty, Representative Louis Gomer has such a good idea, and all the Republicans should get behind it. Representative Louis Gomer, who I should point out is a former judge, says that in the criminal trial of any individual for the commission of a criminal offense in the District of Columbia, the individual on trial should be able to choose the venue for the proceedings and trial to be in the district court for the district and division embracing that individual's primary residence. Let me translate that into what it's really referring to. January 6th defendants, excuse me, January 6th, the worst day ever in history defendants, should not be forced to be put on trial in Washington, D.C. Because the people who would be on the jury in Washington, D.C. are not really a jury of their peers. Washington, D.C. is a really weird place, <laughs> okay? And these people don't live in Washington, D.C. The, the January 6th people, they flew in from all over the country. And what Louis Gomer is saying is, they're going to be put on trial. We're not saying they're not going to be put on trial, but they should be put on trial before a jury of their actual peers in their home districts. I think this is a great idea. The objection to it will be, well, they committed their crimes or alleged crimes or overblown crimes or trumped up charges in the District of Columbia. Therefore, that's where they should be tried. Okay, that's, that's generally a rule of criminal proceedings, except for this. The District of Columbia is a federal district. We forget that now. We pretend that the District of Columbia is just a, a regular old blue city, or a lot of people say it should be a state, but it's, it should not be. The whole point of Washington, D.C., the reason that that's the nation's capital is because it is not a state. 
because no state should have a monopoly over the nation's capital. It is a federal district. The Congress has the right to control basically everything that happens in the District of Columbia. They have allowed D.C. to have its own mayor. They've allowed D.C. to have some local rule. Largely a mistake, by the way. But the Congress runs D.C. This is a perfect opportunity for the Republicans to justly wield political power when they take it. It'll be stymied in the Senate. It'll be stymied at the White House. Do it. I want every single Republican to back this bill. This is important not only to bring some semblance of justice to the accused from January 6th, but it's also important, forget about January 6th, forget about the people on trial for a second. It's very important that the Congress reasserts control over the District of Columbia, which in recent years has just steadily crept toward becoming the next blue state to tilt the balance of power in this country toward the Democrats. And I don't sleep easy at night when I think about that. In fact, the only reason I have a shot at sleeping easy is because of Helix Sleep. Right now, head on over to helixsleep.com slash Knowles. With everything going on in the world right now, you could use a good night's sleep. That is why you need to check out Helix Mattress. I've had my Helix for years now. I absolutely adore it. Helix has several different mattress models to choose from. Soft, medium, and firm mattresses. Mattresses great for cooling you down. Mattresses for spinal alignment to prevent morning aches and pains. Even a Helix Plus mattress for plus-sized sleepers. Are you nervous about buying online? You don't have to be. Helix has a sleep quiz that matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Because why would you want to buy a mattress made for somebody else? Okay, I'm a married man. Get out of my mattress. Get into your mattress at helixsleep.com slash Knowles. Take their two-minute sleep quiz. Find the perfect mattress for your body and sleep type. For a limited time right now, Helix is offering up to $350 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. This is their best offer yet. So hurry on over right now to helixsleep.com slash Knowles. Speaking of Washington, D.C., major, major event yesterday. Vladimir President, Vladimir President, Ukrainian President, Vladimir Zelensky, flew in from his war zone to meet with Joe Biden and then to go meet with the members of Congress. This news had been leaked and then Zelensky and Biden confirmed it. Zelensky tweeted out, on my way to the U.S. to strengthen resilience and defense capabilities of Ukraine. In particular, the president and I will discuss cooperation between Ukraine and the U.S. I will also have a speech at the Congress and a number of bilateral meetings. And then Whoever is running Biden's Twitter account response says, I hope you're having a good flight, Vladimir. I'm thrilled to have you here. Much to discuss. So this is a stunt. It's a pure political stunt. But it's it's not just a stunt by the Ukrainians trying to get one over on the Americans. It's not just a stunt by Zelensky trying to squeeze some more money, even more money than he's already gotten out of the Americans, or to drag America into World War III, as he's been trying to do for a year now. This is also a stunt by the Democrats. The Democrats are using Zelensky just as much as Zelensky is using the Democrats. Why is Zelensky flying in now? This war has been going on for, what, 10 months now? 11 months almost? He's flying in now because the Democrats are trying to pass the omnibus. And the omnibus includes $45 billion for Ukraine on top of all the money that we've already given them. So Zelensky is here basically on a fundraising trip, okay? He's here just to secure that money to keep 
buying arms to prolong the war with Russia. The Democrats are having him come now because while the Democrats want to get the $45 billion for Ukraine, and they've all changed their, their Twitter names to include the Ukrainian flag or whatever, the Democrats don't really care all that much about the Ukraine funding. They want all the other goodies in the $1.7 trillion omnibus bill. And they know that if they can trot out Vladimir Zelensky, who they and the media have turned into the image of Winston Churchill, super mega wonderful Winston Churchill, even better than the original, then they can pressure the Republicans to vote for their stupid omnibus bill. This is no different than when Democrats pull out a cute kid to lobby for gun control. It's, it's emotional manipulation. It has very little to do with the actual realities being debated and discussed, but it's a little trick, and so they're going to do it. The question that this raises, though, because it is so clear, especially with, with Zelensky's groveling visit to get some more money, it is very, very clear that the war is not really between Ukraine and Russia. If the war were just between Ukraine and Russia, it would have been over after about three days. The war is really between Russia and the, the United States and the U.S.-led coalition of NATO, and the European Union, and the entire West. That's who the war is between. Ukraine is a buffer state and has always been a buffer state. And when, when Ukraine was a little too pro-Russia, the Americans came in and tried to pull Ukraine back more pro-Western. Then, after 2014, after the Maidan Revolution, Ukraine went more pro-Western. Russia said, this is unacceptable, that Ukraine is talking about joining NATO. So Russia invades, and it's been this escalating conflict. With Zelensky coming, hat in hand, saying, give us more money. Please, Congress, please, Joe Biden, give us more money. It raises this question. Do Americans want to control a global empire all the way up to Ukraine? That's what it is. Vladimir Zelensky is a sort of vassal of the United States. He's, he's like a governor. It'd be the governor, you know, when, when, a, when a bad storm hits in Florida or Texas or wherever, the, the governors will go up and ask the federal government for money, and then the federal government usually will give them money. It's the same thing here. Zelensky is essentially an imperial governor out there in Ukraine. He's saying, hey, U.S., we're kind of part of your broad empire, and so we need, we need some money. Does the U.S. want to do that? I don't know that there's an easy answer on this. A lot of people will reactively say, well, we're a nation. We're not supposed to have entangling alliances. We're not supposed to have a global empire. So uh, let's just get out of everywhere in the world and just come back to our own shores. But the fact is we do have a global empire. We've had a global empire for 70 years now. And as, as Pericles pointed out in ancient Athens, maybe it wasn't a great thing to accumulate the empire that we have, but we've got it now. <laughs> okay, I think it was Pericles. We, we've got it now, and so it would be very dangerous to give up the empire that we already have. So that's, that's the question that Americans are debating right now. But it, it, it goes back to those magic tricks. Okay, the surface level story, Ukrainian independence, and we need to stand up for the community of nations, and the, the, what it, it's, it's an imperial war. It's a war between two empires, the great American empire and a formerly great empire, Russia, which is trying to rebuild its empire. That's what the war is about. Do we want to be involved in that war? Do we want to, do we want to vote for this omnibus bill? The omnibus 
includes so much terrible stuff. The omnibus, I went through a lot of what the omnibus includes yesterday. Forgot to mention, it includes $286 million in Title X funding for voluntary family planning projects. Money that will go toward abortion bills. That's what that means. Voluntary family planning projects means abortion. So that's going to include a lot of money for Planned Parenthood. The super radical pro-abortion groups are furious about this because it's roughly the same amount of money that we give these people every single year. But they say, well, in the wake of the Dobbs decision, now that Roe v. Wade has been overruled, you need to give us way more money because abortion is way more under threat. My reaction would be quite the opposite. Republicans in recent years have gone along with this kind of abortion funding because a lot of them are squishes and because a lot of them aren't particularly principled. But the excuse that they gave was, look, we live in America with Roe v. Wade. You're not going to really do all that much about abortion as long as Roe v. Wade is on the books. And so we give them a few hundred million dollars. No big deal. But we are not living in Roe v. Wade America right now. We are living in post-Roe America. We are living in Dobbs America. We do not have to fund abortion. There is no federally recognized right to abortion. That is gone. Lump that away with the Easter Bunny. If there was any argument to give hundreds of millions of dollars to Planned Parenthood, it was that there is a federal right to an abortion. That's over. We don't need to give these people any money. Zero dollars. And furthermore, Republicans do not have to vote for this bill. The Democrats have tried to back Republicans into a corner where they feel like they have to vote for this omnibus bill. If the Republicans don't vote for the omnibus bill, then the government will shut down. Okay, who cares? The government's shut down plenty of times. We're about to retake the House. That's why the Democrats and the squish Republicans are trying to ram this thing through before the Republicans retake the House. Because if they can get this funding package through, then there's nothing for the House Republicans to do. They'll, they'll hold some investigations. They'll hold some hearings and yell at some people, but they won't actually do anything because the, the Congress doesn't really pass individual bills anymore. They just every so often pass one of these massive multi-trillion dollar omnibus packages. So once they take care of that, with the Dems still in charge of both houses of Congress and the White House, then it's over. And then there's nothing left for the House Republicans to do. B.S. I'm getting a little salty with my language. I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to rein it in and be very mature and responsible and diplomatic about this and say, Republicans, you don't have to vote for it. You can pass, if you don't want the government to shut down, you can pass a short-term spending package that will get you through January or even February. Then hash this thing out for real. It is absolutely absurd that the Congress was given three days to read a 4,200-page bill, let alone debate and, and then vote on it. No way. Do not vote for this thing, guys. Any Republican who votes for this $1.7 trillion omnibus is willfully surrendering to Democrats. Speaking of wills, you need to go get a will. You got to check out Epic Will. Right now, go to epicwill.com, use promo code Knowles. You need to have a will. I had not redone my will in a very, very long time. Mercifully, it has just been completed because without a will, you have no idea what's going to happen to your financial assets. 
and your personal property and your end of life decisions. And most importantly, your kids, who is going to raise your children should you and your spouse die before they are of age. Without a will, the state is going to make this decision for you. If you're just starting out and you don't have thousands of dollars to spend on an attorney, but you want to make sure that your savings, your belongings, and your family are all protected, you've got to create your will at epicwill.com today. Epic Will bundles your last will, living will, healthcare power of attorney, HIPAA release, and durable financial power of attorney. It only costs 119 bucks for a single person to create a will. When you use promo code Knowles, you will save 10%. Go to epicwill.com, use promo code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, to save 10% on Epic Will's complete will package. That is epicwill.com, promo code Knowles. Republicans don't need to vote for these things that the Democrats are ramming down our throat. Increasingly, the people are on our side when it comes to the issues. And people that you might not always expect. We talk about Joe Rogan, Bill Maher, Tulsi Gabbard, these Democrats, Elon Musk, these Democrats who have come over and, and sided more with the conservatives recently. It goes way further than that. Tim Robbins, one of the biggest lib actors in one of the biggest lib industries, obviously, in Hollywood, he just came out and he admitted to Russell Brand that the COVID lockdowns changed his mind. We went into lockdown with healthy people, with children, and that didn't seem to be wise to me. So um, I'm not a scientist. I'm not uh, a doctor. I don't know the intricacies of, of uh, data on this. All I can respond to is as some, uh, someone that has, is concerned about what the result of those doctrines, that policy had on us as human beings. And it's not good. We turned into um, tribal, angry, vengeful people. And I, I don't think that's something that is sustainable for the earth, that we start demonizing people that don't agree with our particular health policies and turn them into monsters. Look, I'm not a scientist. Look, I don't, I didn't, I didn't know, but this wasn't good. That is the opinion of a lot of liberals who initially bought into all the COVID hysteria and Dr. Fauci and lockdown and six feet apart and wear the hanky on your face and trust the science. They started out seriously believing that. Some of us didn't start out believing that, okay? Some of us, I don't want to name any names here, okay? I don't want to toot my own horn. Some of us understood what COVID was from the very beginning. Some of us, when they tried to lock us down and actually forced us to lock down in California, some of us were back in the office within 36 hours because some of us called up Jeremy Boring and said, Jeremy, I'm not doing this. This is all ridiculous. I'm showing up to work tomorrow. And he said, okay, understood. I'm already at the office. Okay, so I'm not saying who would have done such a thing. It was me. It was me. Some, some of us knew it, and I'm sure many of you knew that from the beginning as well. But there were a lot of liberals who very earnestly believed the science and the lab coats and the masks and the Fauci. And then realized, wait a second, are we the baddies? <laughs> they, they had that reaction. They said, wait, are, the thing that we all clamored for, we, huh, maybe those crazy right-wing fanatical Republican extremists, maybe... 
maybe they were onto something. COVID-19 is being called the Great Reset. Not just by tinfoil hat people, but by very, very powerful elites. Klaus Schwab, the head of the World Economic Forum, his various associates, Yuval Harari, one of the philosophers behind the Great Reset in the World Economic Forum, Bill Gates, world leaders. You, you see this with King Charles of England. You see this with lots of other political leaders who are saying, COVID-19 is the opportunity to reset our economy and our food production and our political order and our technology. And, our, and what does the Great Reset always amount to? It amounts to eat the bugs, live in the pods, give up your rights, own nothing and be happy, surveillance everywhere, no political sovereignty. It's a, it's a reset of our very humanity. That's what they want it to be. And that's insane and terrible, and we should fight it tooth and nail. But COVID-19 provides another opportunity for another great reset. COVID-19 provides an opportunity to reset political alliances. I don't think that I am being overly optimistic here or hyperbolic. There are lots of people who got very red-pilled during COVID, during the lockdowns. A lot of people who trusted the entire liberal establishment for their whole freaking lives, who said, wait, they lied to me about this. They lied to me in such an egregious way. What else have they been lying about? And this is the moment for Republicans and conservatives and just normal people to capitalize on that and say, yeah, come on in. Come on in, Tim Robbins. The water is warm. This is, a, this is not just your 1980s battle between the left and the right and the Democrats and the Republicans. Politics means applying eternal principles to changing circumstances. And that means that political alliances will change over time. And one of the problems with the squishes where they really err, and I think they err earnestly and unwittingly and sincerely, but they find a lot of comfort in play acting the political battles of the 1980s. They use all the language of the 1960s through the 1980s, the, the period that they consider to be the halcyon days of the conservative movement, the days of William F. Buckley Jr. and Ronald Reagan. And so they'll use these terms. They'll say, we've got to fight the collectivists. We need free markets for the smallest minority of all the individual. And they use all these cute lines that they heard in reruns from Milton Friedman and Bill Buckley and all the rest of them. And they pretend that they're still fighting Soviet communism as an international conspiracy. The conspiracies have changed. The Soviet Union doesn't exist anymore. The threats are different, okay? So I'm not saying that we need to chuck out all the things we learned during that movement, but we have to have the guts and the, the political vision to fight the battles that are actually happening right now. And one of those battles, the, probably the biggest battle, is not between left and right and Republican and Democrat and all the rest of it. It's between the secular globalists and the traditional nationalists, the conservatives, the people who like their communities. At, at Donald Trump pointed this out. He said, the battle of our age is between globalism and nationalism. And by globalism, we're not talking about the Catholic empire of the Middle Ages. We're talking about Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum and the UN peddling abortion and contraception and weird bugs and mass migration and destroying our economies and all the, all the terrible stuff that you have seen 
that the, the libs have used COVID-19 to promote. That's what it's about. And so this is our opportunity. Are we going to welcome in the Tim Robbinses? Are we going to win them over or not? Are we going to keep play acting the battles from the 1980s? People are moving over to our side. Chris Cuomo is moving over to our side, okay? Chris Cuomo, a member of the Cuomo family, the number one Democrat family in the state of New York. Chris Cuomo, who for years now has played this far left lib on CNN. He gets canned from CNN. He goes over to the news channel News Nation, and he is clearly pivoting to the center. Actually, just the other day, I was invited on Chris Cuomo's show, and I said, that I would go on the show. I, or, you know, I would try to make the timing work. But I, I said that I was at least interested. And for whatever reason, the appearance didn't happen. I don't know, maybe it got spiked by a senior producer or something like that. The very fact that they reached out shows you, though. I said, gosh, I, I assume I'm too much of an authentic conservative for Chris Cuomo to have on the show. You know, I, usually Chris Cuomo just has CNN conservatives, by which I mean liberal Democrats. He never has actual conservatives on the show. Wow, that must mean that they're pivoting strategy. And then I looked at the segment that Chris Cuomo aired on News Nation. I was very, very impressed. It was a segment about detransitioners. Detransitioner is not who you are and what you are. That is the role that you're playing in this story. <laughs> um, and that's where it ends. In terms of people understanding your situation, do you believe that your predicament of deciding whether or not transitioning was right for you was about the process that got you into it, or was it that you had a change after transition? Um, I think it really came from the fact that I, since I transitioned so young, I just kind of, I grew up and I matured a bit more. And I really like thought about my future in ways that I was just not capable of at the time of like the medical interventions. Like I thought about like, do I want biological children? And I kind of had like an oh shoot moment because I realized what could have been done there and that I could have really damaged that chance along with just like like I said, really just getting older and growing up a little bit more and being able to actually process what these feelings were. It's a fabulous interview. And Chris Cuomo became the first, as far as I can tell, the first person to host a detransition panel on television news. That's very impressive. Why is he doing it? I don't, I don't mean to question his motives, or right? maybe he's really moving to the right? Could be. Getting canned by CNN probably would do that to a person. So maybe it's totally sincere. But at the very least, Chris Cuomo is a very sharp political actor. The Cuomos are very, very sharp political people. And Chris Cuomo, I'm sure, is seeing, wow, this crazy transgender stuff, this does not play in Peoria. All right, this is a minority, minority opinion in America that a man can really become a woman and a woman can really become a man and we should pump 16-year-old girls full of hormones and, and potentially sterilize them and destroy their voice forever. And this is not good stuff, okay? And it's, it makes for much more interesting TV, by the way. This is much more interesting than just whatever stupid talking point CNN sends down at the top of the day. You've got to talk about Russia. 
You talk about how the walls are closing in for the 10 millionth time. Yeah, talk about how Trump paid his taxes or whatever. Yeah, that's good. No, this is obviously much, much more interesting. And it's much more interesting when people can think a little bit more independently. It's a line, I, I always quote Dante, quote Dante all the time. But when Dante's seeing his ancestor in paradise, Cachaguida, Cachaguida gives him some political advice. He gives him two pieces of political advice. And actually, the first one relates to the top of the show. He says uh, that letting in too many immigrants ruins cities. <laughs> so that, he's saying this from heaven, okay? But the second thing he says is, you can't just tie yourself entirely to a political party and make that your whole identity. You're going to get totally burned, okay? Ultimately, you need to, to transcend those petty little squabbles and become a party unto yourself. And that's true for all of us. And you are seeing that happen, especially on the left right now. So what does that mean? When, when these people are waking up and thinking in a, a little bit more of an independent way, we can win them over. We don't need to cave to the libs. We don't need to feel pressured to vote for their stupid $1.7 trillion spending bill that everybody hates. Come on, conservatives, grow a spine. I know that conservatives have a spine. Come on, congressional Republicans, grow a spine. The things that you want to do, generally speaking, are the right things to do. And on top of it, they're political winners because the people are on your side. It amuses me. People use that phrase, educate yourself, as a retort. Because the people who use that phrase are, ironically, usually among the least educated people out there. They are the ones who need the education. They would do well to tune into Ben Shapiro's book club, which is back tonight at 8, 7 central, exclusively on Daily Wire Plus. This month's book is The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. Tune in to hear Ben discuss the novel and share his notes with you. You must be an all-access member to join in on the fun. Head on over to dailywire.com slash Knowles to become a member. Join Ben Shapiro's book club tonight, 8, 7 central, dailywire.com slash Knowles today. Speaking of opinions changing over time, great news out of a court. Uh, court, this is the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, has just ruled that the Biden administration cannot enforce its COVID vaccine mandate on federal contractors. Uh, this according to a ruling on Monday. It was a two-to-one decision. So again, those judges matter. You know, it wasn't a unanimous decision. But the Fifth Circuit says that the, another vaccine mandate pushed by the federal government is not legit, cannot happen really good news. You remember the first one of these vaccine mandates that got struck down was the private sector mandate, and the Daily Wire led the lawsuit. We were the first company to bring the suit against the federal government. We won in the Supreme Court. But federal contractors, first, first responders, or healthcare workers, rather, federal employees, the list goes on, they all still had to take the Fauci ouchie. And now, slowly, we're seeing those crumble as well, which is a good moral victory but it's not a political victory. It's not a, it's not a real political victory because the federal contractors already took the shot or they lost their jobs. The libs knew that a lot of this would be rendered unconstitutional. The liberals knew this when they passed their mandates and all their crazy emergency measures. They knew it, okay? But what they also knew was by the time that these things were struck down by the courts, it wouldn't matter. They knew that by the time they were struck down by the courts, they would have already gotten what they wanted. It reminds me of an historical example that I keep coming back to. 
1948 Senate race in Texas. LBJ is running. LBJ cheats. He stuffs ballot boxes. He barely wins with enough votes. Everyone knew that the race was stolen. The, the, the race litigation goes all the way up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court finally says, look, we don't have jurisdiction here. We don't want to hear about it. You sort out your own election. Sound familiar, by the way? Does that sound like any elections we've had recently? So LBJ enters into the Senate. Then JFK picks LBJ to be his vice president. Then JFK is assassinated, potentially by the CIA. I don't, I'm not making that claim, but I did see this week there were certain documents released about the JFK assassination that hadn't been released before, and they suggested that at the very least the CIA had some kind of relationship with Lee Harvey Oswald. And anyway, the whole thing is, it's a, it's a topic for another time. But anyway, uh, JFK gets assassinated. Then LBJ becomes the president. LBJ passes the Great Society. Terrible legislation, ramps up the war in Vietnam, just awful stuff. Uh, he leaves office. He dies. And in the 1990s, his biographer, Robert Caro, shows that he stole the 1948 Senate race. What a great moral victory. Doesn't matter. He already had his whole career. He already got exactly what he wanted. Republicans, conservatives, are very good at being proven right later on. Totally. I mean, we were proven right about the vaccines. Vaccines, not, not anywhere near as safe and effective as we were told they were. We were proven right about the masks. We were proven right about the six feet social distancing. The public health officials eventually admitted they plucked that out of thin air. We were right about the origin of the Wuhan virus. We were right about U.S. funding of the origin of the Wuhan virus. We were right, and that's just one issue. That's just one issue among a zillion. We've been proven right about pretty much everything after the fact. It would be much better, rather than losing a political battle and then being proven right later, it would be much better to win, okay? So we've got to keep fighting. Now, I'll give you another example on election fraud. A 2020 election fraud lawsuit in Fulton County has just gotten some new life. 2020. We're now approaching 2023. We're still fighting over 2020. And the libs and the squishes don't want us to keep fighting over 2020, but some conservatives are keeping it alive. This was a case that was initially dismissed by a judge in October of 2021. It has been working its way through the court system. Now it's being sent back to the appeals court thanks to an order from the Georgia Supreme Court about ballot fraud and absentee ballots in 2020. Central to this case is the issue of standing. You're only allowed to bring suit if you have standing, if you, can, if you can prove that you have some particular injury as a result of some issue. And so a lot of the cases over election fraud have flopped because the court will say, well, you don't have any standing. There's no reason for us even to hear the case out. This one continues to go through. And I strongly suspect that it is going to find evidence or at the very least, strong evidence will be presented of fraud in Georgia. Of all the states where alleged fraud occurred, Georgia looked like one of the worst in 2020. Great. I hope we win. I hope we prove that the 2020 election was completely stolen by the Democrats. That would be a great moral victory. But it won't matter because the big issue here is not being proven right. The big issue is time. We might be proven correct, but to what effect? We need to win. It would be far better 
than litigating all of this out years after the elections. It would be far better for Republicans to, to change the laws back, get rid of early voting, get rid of all these absentee ballots, reinstitute voter ID, and then get into some ballot harvesting ourselves and then be proactive and start using the same kind of machine techniques that the Democrats are using. That would be a much better strategy so that we actually win the elections on the night of rather than litigating this thing out for years and then maybe getting the moral victory. Oh yeah, look, it actually turns out you were right, guys. Hey, you were totally right. They stole Georgia. Anyway, never mind. Going back to my pod now to eat the bugs because the Democrats have been winning for years based on all of this sort of shenanigans and you can't do anything about it. Not great. The Democrats are really, really smart about this issue of time. Democrats in 2022 took a ton of money from Sam Bankman-Fried. Sam Bankman-Fried was the head of FTX. This was probably the biggest financial scam in American history that just collapsed. All these Democrats took a ton of money. Sam Bankman-Fried contributed roughly $39 million to Democrat nominees during the 2022 midterms, according to data from Open Secrets. So the Democrats have just announced they are going to give some of the money back. The Senate Majority PAC, which exists to elect Democrats, announced that it will return $3 million. Wow. That's, what about the other 36? What about the other 18 times that amount of money that the Democrats also took? Are you going to return that, guys? No. Now, this one Democrat PAC is going to return a relatively small amount of money, but the rest of it, no big deal. $3 million is a drop in the bucket compared to what was going on. They're very good about this. They're very smart when it comes to time, and they're going to run out the clock, and then eventually maybe they'll say, okay, we'll give a little bit more money back. Doesn't matter. They already got all their money. They already won the election. Doesn't matter now. Speaking of disparities in money, Oprah Winfrey is under a ton of fire right now. She was asked, she was walking out of some event to give a recommendation for a Christmas gift. Here's what she said. Favorite gift for my mom. She's not doing well. Uh, You know, a wonderful thing is that jewelry box that's at, um, that I had on favorite things. A beautiful red jewelry box with a little... little That's too expensive for me. No, it's not. It's it's, it's really not. It's like a hundred and some dollars. A little low on my price budget. Lower than a hundred dollars? Mama, she she understands. She has sentimental gifts. Uh, Okay, then this is the perfect gift for your mom. You do a list of your top ten reasons why you love her. And you make a beautiful card, and it's your top ten. That is, that's, that's perfect. And it's that, sentimental, right? And it's sentimental. Your top ten. Oprah is being attacked for this because she said, well, it's only $100. He goes, it's a little bit out of my price range. He goes, $100? What, are you super poor or something like that? Can't afford a $100 gift? What's wrong with you? And so people are attacking her for this. There are so many reasons to attack Oprah. Oprah herself might be a sign of the apocalypse. Like, Oprah is has done so much damage to the spiritual state of Americans and people all over the world peddling her new age gobbledygook, just liberal, awful, Malthusian, terrible. I I could go on and on and on about all the terrible things Oprah's done. I thought that was fine. Oprah is a billionaire. 
and she gave you a recommendation for something that costs like $100, which most people can afford if it's going to be their main Christmas gift for their mother. There are some people who can't afford it, and especially now it's tough financial times and inflation is very bad. So I'm not, yes, that's true. But, and then she immediately gave a, a great response. She said, okay, well, if you can't afford that, just write write a list of the top 10 reasons why you love her so much. That would be a very meaningful gift, very sentimental, probably more so than the jewelry box. That was, I thought that was a good answer. Okay, uh, maybe it's just the spirit of the season. I'm feeling very charitable. I've got to even say nice things about Oprah. Now, speaking of Christmas, speaking of all sorts of misinformation going around, uh, I mentioned at the top of the show, there's this TikTok of uh, woke Christmas facts. Uh, I debunk it. It's, It's going wild on my channel right now, so you can find it over on the YouTube channel. Well, anyway, the gal who I was reacting to She's, she's out with more, more facts, more facts that happen not to be correct. As Ronald Reagan said, the problem with our liberal friends is not that they're ignorant. They just know so much that isn't so, so that we will be getting into it right now. The rest of the show continues now. You don't want to miss it. If you're not a member, click the link in the description and join us.